Hello and welcome to Connect Points podcast and sermon archives. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please go online to our website at connectpointupc.com or follow us on our Facebook page. Thank you very much and I hope you enjoy this week's message. God bless. Supposed to go three weeks, I'm just going to tell you right now, I'm not going to get done today. We're going to talk about heaven a little bit more. Is that all right? Yeah. Amen. We'll talk about heaven a little bit more. There was a, a believer that once said that if all I can do is come by the keyhole of heaven every once, once every thousand years and see Jesus Christ, it would be worth it all. I want to say today we're going to have a much greater relationship with Jesus Christ than that when we get to heaven. How many are looking forward to meeting your Lord and Savior face to face? Amen. I'm not satisfied with looking through a keyhole and catching a glimpse of the Savior when the Bible tells me I'm going to be able to stand around the throne and worship him. Amen. And bring him glory and honor for eternity. Amen. Somebody said one time, why should I be concerned about going to heaven? I haven't even been to Hawaii yet. (laughs) Well, if you want to go to Hawaii, you should go while you're still alive. But people sometimes have a lack of understanding of heaven. And when we understand, and when we really get a glimpse of it, and we really get to grasp of what the Bible has to say, You'll start saying things like, take this whole world, but give me Jesus. You can have all this. I just want to go to heaven. Amen? Amen. We start to see it a little bit differently. I've already mentioned in the previous couple things, and I'm not going to try to recap. You can go back and listen to it on the podcast or watch it online. But we mentioned about heaven being 500 times in the Bible, but that we need to pay attention. The Bible speaks to us about three heavens. The Bible uses the word heaven as relationship to the atmospheric heaven, the clouds, the atmosphere, the places where the birds fly and the clouds are. The Bible speaks of heaven from the vantage point of the stellar heaven when it's talking about the sun and the moon and the stars and the galaxies and all that is in them. But then there is this third heaven. That the Apostle Paul talks to us about. He says that he was caught up into that third heaven. And he heard things and he saw things that he was not able to be describe. And he was not allowed to utter to unto us. It was the destiny of the redeemed. It was a place of glory and honor. A place of perfection and wonder. And a place where all the believers will gather together for eternity. And so shall we be with the Lord. And I'm looking forward to going past the atmospheric heaven. And shooting through the stellar heaven. And stepping onto the hallelujah. Those streets of gold of the third heaven amen we did have an opportunity i'm glad to have my mom and bruce here today they were in town for thanksgiving and and uh, since they were in town i thought i better take my opportunity and get them to the pearly gates so on our way to the big yellow candy store which some people might call heaven 
We pulled off in St. Peter and walked up to the pearly gates and took a couple pictures. If you've never been there, if you don't know what I'm talking about, they do have what they call the pearly gates in the city of St. Peter. It used to be a great joke because for many years there was a padlock on the pearly gates. And I used to take every evangelist that what I would get and bring them there, and they would all take a picture, and I promise they preached it all over the country and probably the world, the padlock on the pearly gates. But now they've gotten rid of the padlock, and they built a lock system that's kind of built into the gate. You still can't open it, but at least it looks a little bit better. Amen. Heaven is a real place. It's not an altered state of mind. You haven't seen it when you were hallucinating on some drug. Heaven is a real place that people abide in right now. It exists right now. Angels are there and saints of God are there right now worshiping around the throne. It's alive, it's well, it's there. It is a prepared place. And as we talked about last week, it is a prepared place for prepared people. I don't get to stumble my way into heaven. I don't get to just uh, uh, get some wrong directions. We tried to drive by the Cox house in St. Peter. You would think I could get there. It's got my name on it. <laughs> and somehow, I don't know what happened. I made a, I made a turn, and then the, the lady on the thing was trying to help us. You know that voice? <laughs> and she took us in a big circle, and she was confused. She couldn't even get there. It, if you're relying on that lady to get you to heaven, now in, in my car it's a lady, but I'm threatening to make it a man. If we don't start getting to places on the right. See now, see now public speaking, that was dumb what I just did there. See what I did there, I just lost half the crowd. I'm gonna have to get the women back somewhere else now. Get them back on my side. Well, we'll get there in a minute. I'll think of, I'll think of some way to even it out. But if you're relying on that to get to heaven, you ain't going to get there. You ain't riding grandma's coattails to heaven either. The church name that you go to isn't automatically going to get you to heaven. You have got to have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You have got to apply yourself to the gospel. The death, burial, and resurrection must be applied to your life. Your name, as we talked about last week, must be in that Lamb's book of life. Amen. Anybody got your registration? You got your reservation in heaven? You got something waiting for you on the other side? Amen. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I will come again. That where I am, oh hallelujah, that where I am, you may be also. It's always been about relationship with God. From the Garden of Eden till now, it's always been about relationship. Humanity and relationship with the Lord. The covenants of the Old Testament. The pouring out of His Spirit. Amen. And the gospel application of the New Testament. It's always about relationship. That's what He wants from you today. If you walked in here wondering, what God do you want from me? He wants relationship. He wants to talk with you every day. He wants you to care what He thinks. I said, he wants you to care about what he thinks more than what the internet says and the television says and the co-worker says and the family member says. He wants you to care about what he has to say about some things that are going on in your life. It's a prepared place. 
And it's important that we prepare ourselves to get there. There was a tombstone in Indiana. It was over 100 years old, and it said on the front of it, Pause, stranger, as you pass me by. As you are now, so once was I. As I am now, so you will be. Prepare yourself to follow me. Somebody came along years after that, and they added a comment to the bottom. It said, to follow you, I am not content until I know which way you went. <laughs> How many are following Jesus today? Not following some preacher, not following some religion. I'm following after Jesus Christ and the word of God. Following after Jesus today. You know, there is, I, I Googled it to make sure because I've used this illustration before. And uh, as far as I can tell, you can still participate in this. There's an organization called the Afterlife Telegram. The Afterlife Telegram. You, uh, you can send an official message to a dead loved one. It's a fee of $10 per word. Now you know why it exists. And there's a minimum of five words. So you can't just say, I love you. And they give the message to someone who is terminally ill. And that person agrees to take the message to the other side. However, the fine print says, we cannot guarantee delivery, only delivery attempts. No, they can't do it, can they? We're not talking to the dead. We're not sending messages to the other side. People always wonder, well, pastor, where are they? Where are they now? Some people ask that question grasping for hope because they know the life that their loved one lived and they're really concerned about whether they made it. Others like to talk about it because they have a confidence and a joy that their loved one was ready to meet the Lord. Can I just tell somebody this today? You can make it real easy on your preacher and your pastor at your funeral if you just be ready to go. I said, you can make it real easy. If I'm your pastor and you want me to do your funeral, can you just make it real easy and just live your life in a way that is beyond question and beyond doubt that you're on your way to heaven? Can we do that? Isn't that the greatest way to live our lives anyway? I don't want to go to bed every night wondering whether or not I'm going to wake up. And if I do, I'm going to wake up in heaven or hell. I want to lay my head down on the pillow with peace in my mind and in my heart that I know if I die in my sleep, my eyes are going to open up in glory land. I, I want to know if God was to come today that I'm going to go forever with my Lord in heaven. I'm not leaving it up to question. I'm not leaving it up to doubt. I don't want to walk through life concerned. I want to know that I know that I know that I'm on my way to see Jesus oh hallelujah amen people want to know what happens to the soul what happens to the body the same questions asked to Paul and we find in 1st Thessalonians 4 and 13 but I would not have you to be ignorant brethren concerning them which are asleep that ye sorrow not even as others which have no hope when he says, I don't want you to be ignorant concerning them that are asleep, that phrase means those that are dead. I don't want you to be ignorant concerning those that have died. Acts chapter 7 and 60, we know Stephen was stoned to death. 
The Bible tells us he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Now we know Stephen died from stoning. The Bible says that he fell asleep. Acts chapter 13 and verse 36, for David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell on sleep and was laid unto his fathers and saw corruption. You say, what was it that was laid out? What was it that saw corruption? That's the flesh. That's what happens to the body. Amen. He died. His body, his physical body, which was later used as an illustration when it was preached in the New Testament about how David died and his body saw corruption. But there was one who died and his body did not see corruption. Oh, hallelujah. But we understand from the scripture that when it says that they went to sleep in that context, they're talking about uh, the believer dying, uh, but they're talking about their flesh being laid out in corruption. And so the Bible is trying to get us an understanding here of what happens next. The Bible, though it applies so much of itself to what we go through in life, is not just about what happens in this life. The Bible is not just about how to have a good marriage, although it can help you to have a good marriage. It's not just about raising kids, though it has answers to how to raise kids. It's not just about how to be a good person to teach us what love is and mercy is, although it does all of those things. It's not just about finances, but you can learn a lot from the scripture about finances. But the Bible is not just by this temporary life that's a vapor that's gone, amen, the moment that it rises up into the air. It's also about our eternity. It also teaches us about what happens next. And Bible tells us in Luke 16, our Lord is talking about a true incident. It's a two-part act, if you will. In Luke 16, let's look at it together. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was also a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torment, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. The rich man lifts up his eyes, and he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thou good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. And Abraham said unto him, they have Moses 
and they have the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will surely repent. And he said unto them, him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. So we have the first part of this story. Two men, two places, two principles. A rich man and Lazarus. They are contrasted in life for us. One wore purple, which was the color of royalty. One was a beggar who begged for crumbs. One had many servants and one had many sores. But this is just the first part. I said, this is just the first part. You know, one of the worst things you could do in this life is discount God. One of the worst things you can do in your life is pin the end of your story before God's done writing. Speak a negative thing over your situation before God's done speaking. One of the worst things you can do is give up while you're still breathing. Can I just pause for a minute here today and tell somebody if you walked in here needing a miracle of any kind whatsoever, you still got a heart beating in your chest and you still got breath in your lungs and you're in the right place at the right time to get a miracle from the Lord Jesus. You don't have to leave this place the way you walked in here today. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. So we look at this and we see the story. And now we look at them in death. Because the Bible says these few words that apply to us all. It came to pass. It came to pass. The day came, as it will for all of us. If we are not caught up, and what some would call the rapture, the catching away of the church. If we are not a part of those people at that time, every single one of us will go into eternity by death. It will come to pass. The beggar dies and he's carried, the Bible says, by the angels into Abraham's bosom. It is an intimate a statement. It is a comforting statement. It is a, a, a visual of carrying by the holy angels into this place of love and a place of comfort. And the rich man dies and he was buried. This is not a parable. Never do we find proper names given to characters that are in the parables of Jesus. But here we find the beggar's name is Lazarus. This really happened. This actually took place. Jesus is describing an actual event. We find that this beggar and his financial condition kept him from even being buried. The rich man was buried. It was common at that time for the poor, for the outcasts, for the beggars on the street, that they would take their bodies upon death to the valley of Gehenna, and they would dump them there with the trash and they would set it on fire. But that was just what happened to his body. Oh, I said, somebody hear me today. I said, that's just what happened to his body. 
He was no longer in the body. He didn't have to live in the trash and he didn't have to feel the flames or deal with the torment because he was carried away by the angels and he was existing in Abraham's bosom, a place of love and comfort and peace. It was just his body. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. The rich man died. He's taken to hell. And he could see at this point Abraham and Lazarus. And he cries out, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. He cries out because the Bible describes at this time a place of paradise and a place of torment separated by a great gulf fixed. He lifts up his voice and he cries out, have mercy on me, for I am tormented in this flame. Here we see eternity and we see this part of eternity pre-Calvary as Jesus is telling us a story, speaking of the underworld prior to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There were these three separate places in the underworld. The Bible tells us, of, calls it paradise. It calls it Abraham's bosom. It was the place where Lazarus went. The Bible tells us there's a hell or a flame and torment where thirst is never quenched. It's the place where the rich man went. The Bible tells us there's a great gulf, a barrier between paradise and hell. I want to make it clear to us today that this is how it happened pre-Calvary. This is what happened to those Old Testament believers leading up to the cross, pre-resurrection. At this time, every righteous person went to this place of paradise, and they existed there, separated from hell. But the, even the Bible tells us that at the cross, the thief on the right hand of Jesus cried out unto him, and Jesus says, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. The Bible tells us that Jesus went for three days where all the dead believers were. And at the resurrection, according to Ephesians chapter 4, 8 and 10, wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now pay attention to what this says here. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens that he might fill all things. So before Calvary, the dead and the righteous would go to this place of paradise separated from hell by this great gulf fixed. Uh, but at Calvary, when he paid the price, uh, the Bible says that before we see him ascending up into heavens, uh, he took some time in those three days uh, and he descended down into the depths uh, where the righteous believers were. Uh, and he took uh, off the captivity and he loosed the bounds of those uh, and he released them from that place uh, and took them with him to glory. So from this moment, uh, from Calvary's moment on, Hallelujah. When a righteous believer dies, I don't no longer have to go down into paradise. And it's good because the Bible says hell hath enlarged itself. 
It's almost as if uh, when all of those that filled paradise uh, were caught up into the heavens, uh, that hell took over what was left. And hell hath now enlarged itself. We know from scripture that hell was never supposed to be intended. It was not designed in its original for you and I in humanity. It was designed in its intent for the devil and for his demons. But because sin came into the world and man loved darkness rather than light, hell had to enlarge itself to make room for those that would choose the darkness instead of choosing the light. But I'm thankful to say today there is another choice that exists for humanity on this Sunday morning there's a choice that says I'm going to make myself ready so that if I die or the rapture comes I'm not going down I'm going up to be with Jesus forever and then they which are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet with him in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord Oh, clap your hands if you want to participate in heaven today. This place of hell, this place of hell, I told you, I don't know if it was the first week or last week, I told you that I've always much preferred to preach about heaven than I have to preach about hell. Not because the Bible doesn't speak about hell, it most surely does. It gives us much detail, significance, plenty enough to know that it's true. But it's always been my desire to see people live their lives with the goal of heaven than to live their lives for the fear of hell. Every once in a while, we need to have a little bit of that fear, though. Every once in a while, we need to be shaken a little bit. Every once in a while, we need to wake up. Come on, somebody. Every once in a while, we need to be reminded that I'm not just living for today. Oh, hallelujah. I know where we're at. I know Thanksgiving's over. I know you've already got your Amazon cart filling up with gifts. I know what season it is. I know what I'm dealing with now. It's going to be nothing but Christmas bells and gifts and for the next uh, several weeks here. I know I'm working against some distractions. I know what I'm working against, but I'm telling somebody, you better wake up and realize, uh, hey man, we may not even get to Christmas. Uh, The Lord may just say, you know what? Why not celebrate my first coming as a baby by my second coming with a rapture? Why not just wrap this whole thing up by the way I came the first time? I don't know what God's gonna do, and I don't know if I'm gonna live to see it, but one way or the other, I'm staying focused on heaven. I gotta get my mind on heaven things heavenly minded heavenly minded one of the greatest things you can do for your psychological well-being is get your mind on heaven oh hallelujah you want to talk about health healthy life get your mind on heaven and see how much that helps out get your eyes up oh hallelujah Lift your eyes up to the heavens. There ain't nothing worth seeing around here anyway. Get your eyes up into the heavens and see how that does for your well-being. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. This place of hell, this place that we spoke of last week, 
that eventually leads to a judgment of the white throne judgment and the book of life, the books that are open, the sinner's doom, the Bible says, the second death, the eternal lake of fire. Revelation 20 says, in death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. Notice what it says here. This is the second death. Everybody say second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. That means they had a second death. If they were not in the Lamb's book of life, second death. The Bible tells us to be absent with the body is to be present with the Lord. In 2 Corinthians 5 and 8, to just be there. The body is in the quiver or the grave. The soul is in heaven. The place that Paul says, I can't even describe its splendor. Oh, hallelujah. I can't even describe its, its splendor. We get there. The Bible de depicts for us an experience called the judgment seat of Christ. Separate from the white throne judgment. The white throne judgment is for the unbeliever. Those who go into their eternal destination with, as I said last week, their sins following after them. But the judgment seat of Christ, or what is called the Bema seat, according to 2 Corinthians 5 and 10, is not a judgment seat for sin, but it is the, the judgment seat of works of the believer, the deeds that were done in the body on earth. We will be rewarded in heaven for our actions on earth. And as I mentioned before, it's hard for me to believe that I could be in heaven and there still be some sort of reward also. Some sort of reward also, but the Bible speaks of this bima seat. Bima in the Greek means the platform where the victor was rewarded. It means the platform where he who finished the race. Oh, how many know it's not to the swift? but it's to the faithful. He that endureth to the end shall be saved. Amen. Uh, there's going to be a moment in heaven uh, when I'm going to be able to step forward uh, and I'm going to receive my crown of victory and he's going to say, well done, now good uh, and faithful uh, servant uh, into ye into the joy uh, of the Lord. Uh, it may be a crown as the Bible describes, uh, but if it is a crown I'm given, I'm also told uh, it ain't going to sit on my head for very long uh, because I'm going to take it off of my head uh, and I'm going to throw it at the feet of Jesus and I'm going to say glory unto the one hallelujah I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you Jesus I wouldn't have been able to make it if it wasn't for you I would have ran out of energy a long time ago I would have succumbed to sin a long time ago I would have thrown in the towel along the drugs would have got me the alcohol would have got me suicide would have got me but oh hallelujah thanks be to God who giveth us the victory Anybody got any victory in your life today? Anybody have anything to celebrate? I wouldn't be here, you say, if it wasn't for the Lord who was on my side. Hallelujah. Oh, yes. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. You know what a good way to live on this earth is? Is anytime anybody tries to give you a crown on this earth, you just practice giving it to Jesus. 
Anytime somebody tries to give you glory on this earth, you just flip it and say, well, I give all the glory to Jesus. Somebody says, well, you're awesome. You, you do great things. No, no, the Lord, hallelujah, deserves all the glory. I want to be well practiced at taking crowns off my head and throwing them at the feet of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. You say, well, what will happen? What are we going to do? Are we going to be able to see what's going on in hell? Will we remember the past on earth? I'm here today to tell you that nothing is going to hinder the joy of heaven. There'll be no more tears, no more sorrow, no more sickness, no more pain, no more heartache. Nothing is going to hinder the joy of heaven. Isaiah 65 says, eventually, for behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered, nor even come into your mind. Oh, I'm thankful for that today. I'm thankful that when God, amen, amen, when, he, when, when Christ went to Calvary, and when he resurrected in those three days that he took those beloved believers of righteous Old Testament saints out of paradise into heaven. I'm thankful today that when we go to heaven, we don't have that same opportunity that that rich man did to be able to look over there and see, see that the, the, in Abraham's bosom, able to see Lazarus in heaven tormented in that flame. That may have been the way it was then, but when we get to the heavens of eternity, it tells us there shall not be any more of that. I'm not going to be looking over and seeing those in the damnation of hell. I'm not going to be able to see those that are suffering in pain. And I'm not going to have a memory or remember the horrible things of the earth, the past, because nothing will hinder the joy of heaven. But I want you to hear me today. Hear me now. If I'm only born once, then I'm going to die twice. But if I'm born twice, I only got to die once. <laughs> the Bible tells me that I must be born again. Oh, hallelujah, Nicodemus uh, couldn't quite wrap around uh, his mind uh, at first, uh, but Jesus explained to him at their meeting at the night, uh, and he said, can I go again uh, into my mother's womb and be reborn? And Jesus said, no, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is you need to be born uh, again uh, of the water uh, and of the Spirit. Uh, you need to be born again. Uh, you need to have the gospel message of Jesus Christ uh, applied unto your life. Oh, death of Christ applied to me through my repentance. I must cry out to God and say, I'm a sinner and I'm sorry and I need you to forgive me for my sin. I die out to my sins but I'm buried, hallelujah, in a watery grave of baptism, the Bible says. I go all the way under the water but when I come up, I'm a new man or woman in Christ Jesus. I got the name of Jesus on my life. Oh, hallelujah. 
hallelujah, and my sins have been remitted, and the guilt and the shame and the condemnation of my past is gone, and I'm new. All things are passed away, and all things become new, and I stand as a vessel able to lift up hands and worship a holy God, and he says, you shall be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. You'll begin to speak with other tongues, and a miraculous sign that the Spirit of the Almighty God is no longer just around you, but it is now inside of you. Oh, hallelujah! You shall receive power, Acts tells us. You shall receive power after that. The Holy Ghost has come upon you. It's not just his death, burial, and resurrection. It's also my death, burial, and resurrection through repentance and baptism in Jesus' name and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Oh, hallelujah. I must be ready. I have got to be heavenly-minded. I must be looking at what the Bible has to say. Oh, hallelujah. Because it tells us in Revelation 20, and the sea gave up their dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged. Oh, hallelujah. This is the white throne judgment. All of those that died in sin were judged every man according to their works, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire, and that is the second death. My mama gave me my first birth, but Jesus gave me my second birth. Amen. And because I've been born twice, I only got to die in this physical hour. It's appointed unto man once to die. And then comes the judgment. But the Bible declares that those that go to hell are going to stand before the throne. And the Lord and judgment is going to be cast upon them. And then they're going to die again when they're cast into the eternal lake of fire. But I'm not going there. I'm never going to see that. I'm never going to experience that. You know, I'm confident because I wasn't just born once I was born twice and I'm standing here today and you are too able to say I've been born again and if you're not able to say that today what better day what better day why put off until tomorrow or next Sunday what you could do today What better day to repent? It's always a good day to repent. Oh, hallelujah. And you ask any believer who's lived with God for a while, and they'll tell you that they do repent every day. I'm not messing around with some stuff, some nonsense. If you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, I know, I know. We don't baptize maybe like a lot of the Christian world today does. We do baptize like most of the Christian world used to do. We do baptize the way the Bible says to do. The Bible tells us that they baptized in what they understood Jesus to say when he said, baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. And they went forth from that place in every baptism in the New Testament that is recorded. They are baptizing people in the name of Jesus. They never baptize anybody in the titles 
of Father, Son, and Holy Ghost because they knew what he meant when he said name. They understood what he meant because he had already said, I come in my Father's name. And the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, which will come in my name. He understood and they understood and nobody was confused. In fact, the confusion of Matthew 28, 19 didn't come around until hundreds of years after the Bible was written. That confusion came when man got his hands on God's word and started messing with stuff. But today you can go down as they did in the Bible, completely in the water. This tank up here is full of water. It ain't holy water, it's just from a tap and a hose. The obedience of scripture is where the miracle is. They went down in the water, they came up out of the water, they were buried in the water. You say, well preacher, that sounds great, but you're talking about me getting all wet. Yeah. And we've done everything in our power to make it easier on you. The water's warm and clean. We have clothes that you can wear and a robe you can put on over the clothes and we've got towels have some beauty parlor in the back to make you look all good again after but at some point you have to make a decision this is more important to me this is more important to me than how I might feel walking around with some wet hair when I'm done this is more important. My eternity matters. Hallelujah. You say, well, I'm just here today. I don't even know a lot of these people. That's all right. In the Bible, a lot of times they got baptized in rivers, and there were people just standing around watching from the side. It's not about some sort of cute moment. We're not trying to create some sort of picture. This isn't about your Facebook post. This is about getting my sins washed away. This is about getting cleansed and purified and changed forever. Stand with me if you would today, friends. We're close. We're close. We're close to heaven. We're close to heaven. We're close to heaven. The Bible speaks of a time, and we've long heard of a time when people would say, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. And I'll be honest with you, I spent a lot of my life thinking, I don't understand that concept. I don't understand that way of thinking that I would want to say, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. But I'm telling you, we've entered into an age and we're living in an hour where I hear believers more and more and more and more saying, even so, come quickly, Lord. This world is not my home. I'm just a stranger and a pilgrim in this world. I'm looking forward to heaven. I want to be in heaven. I want to think about heaven and talk about heaven, focus on heaven, live my life as if it could happen today. Heavenly minded. Oh, heavenly minded. The old song says, oh, what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his 
grace when he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land. Oh, what a day. What a glorious day. <laughs> what a glorious day that will be. I wonder if there's anyone here today. I'm going to invite everyone. If you need to repent, you should come. If you've never been baptized, you should come up here and pray about making that decision. If you've never received the gift of the Holy Spirit, speaking with other tongues as the power of God moves upon you, that can happen today. But if you're just hungry for a heaven, I wish you'd come up here today too. If you just want to pray and seek the Lord, I wish you'd come up here. In fact, I wish everybody would step out. I wish everybody, even if you're a first-time guest, I promise we're not going to make you do anything. We're not going to make you uncomfortable. We're not going to force you to do anything. You don't have to confess your sins to us. But everybody in this place, let's find a place of prayer. Let's call upon the name of Jesus. Come on. Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. We hope you enjoyed this message. Remember, if you would like to find out more information about our church or to contact us, please go online at connectpointupc.com. And also, don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app so you will be automatically notified of new episodes. Thank you, and we hope you have a great week.